Welcome to the Newcomer Workshop. My name is Jeannie, and I'm a child of God and a grateful compulsive overeater. Before we begin, please turn off your cell phones. This workshop is being taped. Please be aware of that if you're speaking. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. Yeah. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, and ask a basket questions. Do we have another speaker, Tara, or is it just me? No. Yeah. Yeah. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for me. Please specify, well, no, I'm the only one here who's going to answer it, unless I call on Cindy Dabbs or something. Um, do we have a reading? Uh, no. No, okay. I will now speak for 20 to 25 minutes, and then we'll have some questions. Wow. Hi, Tamara. Hello, my name is Jeannie. I'm a child of God and a grateful compulsive overeater. I have 22 years of abstinence, which I think is a freaking miracle, and um, 150-pound weight loss. Yay. And it's always amazing to me, always amazing to me that I'm here. This is my third time around in this program. Um, the first time I came was in 19, I believe, 1975. I went to a couple meetings. Um, which, curiously enough, were um, filled by women who were now who were my age now, and I thought I had I was very young and I had nothing in common with those women, so I went to a couple meetings and didn't come back. Um, the second time I came back was three or four years after that. Um, I had a cousin who was an AA, and I came back and lost 100 pounds, found a man, got married, and left because you know I thought I had you know I had life now down pat. And um, what happened was is that I was married I think two years when um, I was cleaning uh, my third bedroom which was a junk room at the time and my husband was at work and I was cleaning this room and I came across a schedule of meetings and there was just that thing at the moment where I was so unhappy with my and I you know I gained all that weight back and more and I was so unhappy about my life I was cleaning out that room and I saw the meeting schedule and I and this was my thought those people in those rooms were happy that was my thought and I was very far from being happy very far from being happy when you weigh over 400 pounds Every single moment of your life is a struggle, a struggle to walk, a struggle to breathe, a struggle to go to work, a struggle to love anyone, um, and I'm sure my husband and my child felt that. I know I did. And it was just at that moment in time, and I'm talking about this because, you know, because this is a newcomer's meeting, and that's what it felt like when I was new. And so I, I, I got the schedule. Some of those meetings were still there, which was amazing to me. And, um, and I started going to a couple meetings a couple times a week. And, um, and I truly believe that the reason that I know why I didn't come back the first time. And the second time it didn't work for me is that I, I really used this place, this format that you, that you were offering as a diet club. And I didn't have a sponsor, and I didn't work a damn step, and I didn't do jack. I lost 100 pounds. You heard that. So um, 
I've been going back to meetings about three weeks, and um, there was this unusually large meeting um, on Friday night in Glendale. And um, on that Wednesday of that week, I was talking to my cousin, and she'd been with me my second time around. I said, you know, I've gone back to LA. She says, really? Are you abstinent? I said, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no way that's happening until I get a sponsor. Part of my story is, is that I come from a family you don't ask anyone outside your family for help. There was no way I was going to ask anyone to be my sponsor any time in that millennium. So I went to a meeting on Friday night, and this is a meeting where there are easily 300 people on a Friday night. It was a fairly large auditorium. And at the break, um, this little lady from the San Fernando Valley came up to me. She was about five foot tall, and she says, hello, my name is Gwen. You look like you could use some help. Would you like me to be your sponsor? It was my first inkling in the program, and I got it very clearly. It was my first inkling in the program that there was something bigger than myself in the universe not only listening, but had my best interest at heart, because I certainly did not have my best interest at heart. And she said, this was pre-cell phones, she said, um, I live in San Fernando Valley, and um, if, you know, if toll calls are a problem, money's a problem, um, let me know, and I'll help you find someone close to where you live. And I grabbed her little arm, and um, I said, I said, no, 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 fine. You were saying, you'll do, you'll do, you'll do. And she was my sponsor for um, for three months until I went to retreat and, asked, and actually asked someone, made that leap of faith and asked someone else. Um, I was so different, so different than I am today. Um, there's a chapter in the big book um, called Freedom from Bondage. And the big book was, when I came in, we had very little OA literature, and I, you know, the big book was it. And I crossed all the words that said alcohol, and I put food, and I crossed all the words that said alcoholic, and put compulsive overeater, and I studied that book. Um, and there's a chapter in the big book um, called Freedom from Bondage. And there's work in that chapter that talks about people who were ang are angry and what they need to do about the anger resentment they had towards the people in their lives. So here I am. I'm rather tall. I'm six foot one. I'm going to stand up for this. I'm six foot one. I weigh over 400 pounds. And although the, the, the people of Overeaters Anonymous are wonderful, wonderful people, I think it's really hard to deal with somebody who's doing. I sat in back of the rooms and I cried. I was so angry and had so many feelings that I could not deal with. They would just like surface and flow over. There was so much happening at such a rapid pace in my life, just having walked into these rooms and surrendered, that it was very difficult to handle. And I was foreboding looking. Now if you look at me, I walk around and I'm smiling most of the time and people know I'm friendly. I was not friendly. They didn't want you guys to touch me. They didn't want you guys to talk to me. If I made, and I'll talk about it when I talk about the tools, if I made an outreach call, I called somebody in another inner group because I didn't want you to know my business because that's the way I was raised. So no business. Don't tell people your business. 
Don't just tell people you're ashamed. Don't tell people you're stuck. And this is very definitely a program of sharing, that we depend on each other. And um, so that was a real struggle for me. Um, I had bad relationships with my family. Um, my sister and I, I remember uh, a doormate of mine came home with me from college one weekend to spend the weekend with my family and I down at our place at the river. And we came back and we would come back to the dorms and she said to me on Monday, she said, do you and your brothers and sisters always talk like that to each other? And I looked, looked at her and I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, you and your sisters, you call each other bitch and you treat each other badly and you're mean to each other. Is that the way you are all the time? And she wasn't saying it in any judgmental kind of way. But it sure opened my eyes. Then odd, all families were like, like my family. And, and I said, yeah. I said, yeah. And it occurred to me that my family was different. And we were. And I had a lot of resentment towards members of my family. And I funneled that into victimhood. Everything that was, I wasn't happy about, they were making me unhappy. And in the big book, that chapter, Freedom from Bondage, actually gave me freedom from hate, freedom from anger, freedom from resentment. Um, these people weren't really doing anything to me. I, I took everything. I was overly sensitive, and I just took about everything that happened or what they said and used it to create this um, drama of hurt because I didn't really know how to deal with life. didn't really know how to deal with life. Um... So here I am. Here I am. And um, I've decided because this is a newcomer meeting that um, I want to talk about the tools of recovery. I think it's very, you know, I was kind of hit on the head with the first step when I walked in here. But I think if you walk in in a food fog that you very much maybe don't, don't, don't understand how to begin those. But the tools are something, they're forms of action. And this is a program of action. And there's, there's things you can do, things you can do. So um, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the steps. And the steps are to facilitate and maintain my abstinence. And you'll hear a lot about abstinence if you're a newcomer. And um, abstinence to me is to refrain. You know, there seems to be some sort of mystery when people ask about abstinence. There's no mystery. It's defined in the dictionary as refraining from compulsive overeating. Whatever that is for you. For me... I don't eat mass quantities of food. I don't think you get it. I got over 400 pounds because I was eating mass quantities of food. And I even further define, I don't eat mass quantities of food. I don't eat more than two pounds of food in two hours. And I don't eat donuts. That's my abstinence. I don't eat mass quantities and I don't eat donuts. So here's a tool. I love this. A plan of eating. I think it's interesting because sometimes you'll still... I have a little thing sometimes that happens when people take a candle. Um, they'll sing the, the happy birthday to the abstinent people, and they'll say, keep coming back without a snack. You know, I don't know how the birthday song is supposed to define someone's plan of eating, but it doesn't define mine. I eat five or six meals a day. I have a medical condition. That's what I do. And not only do I maintain my weight, there are times when I lose weight on my meal plan. Some people eat three meals a day, nothing in between. Some people eat three meals a day with a snack. Some people keep food out of their food plan that that will um, that they have a culture to eat afterwards, maybe sugar or white flour. But this is something that's really important to establish. 
because it does help maintain and support your abstinence. Um, the Obedience Dom is just that if you do have some medical condition, um, that you might want to seek professional help either from a doctor or a nutritionist. And you certainly want to seek help from your sponsor. And that's the next thing. Is that you, I just told you, you know, I, I don't think I could do this program without a sponsor as well as I do it today. There have been times in my program where I have not, years when I have not had a, held, had a sponsor. And it was much more difficult not having a sponsor than having a sponsor. Somebody to check in with. Somebody to listen to my stuff. Somebody that I can be anonymous with. Because I think as well-meaning sometimes as we are, you know, sometimes there's chat. Sometimes there's chatter. And um, and that, that's really important for me to know. I got a new sponsor late last year. I love my sponsor. Um, and uh, she suggested that I thought this was Pauline, actually. She said, yes, she'd be my sponsor. She said, I want to start working the steps again, like from one. I said, you know what? I've done that. I've done that. You know, I've done probably just like 10 through 11, 10 through 12. I've done that. I've done that. And she, and, uh, she said, okay. And so I thought about it over the week, and I thought, what a, what a great opportunity for me to get to know her and for her to get to know me. So I started, after 22 years, started working the steps again. And I tell you, it's eye-opening. And it's at a much deeper level, and um, it's much welcome. Having said that, I've been putting my fourth step up for about a month now. <laughs> because it is what it is. You know, but I have jotted down things that have come up that I, that I do need to write about, that I missed the first time around. And certainly in 22 years of living, there have been things that have happened that, I've written 10 steps about, but maybe not gone as deeply as I could with writing um, another inventory. Um, I w I've since been divorced. Um, my only child died. Um, I think escrow is a form of hell on earth, and I've been through three or four escrows. Um, that's one of those things that, like, you're forever waiting to say, for somebody else to say you're okay. I don't like that stuff because, you know, I, I know I'm okay, just, just who I am. Um, Okay, so we talked about that. Oh, telephone. I like telephone. Actually, you know, the telephone worked for me today as well as it did 22 years ago. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story that happened to me. I was about three or four months abstinent. And um, first of all, I was very much, I was so surrendered when I got here. I was very much into doing just about anything you guys told me to do. Really. I was fighting for my life. Um, but I still didn't want to, to uh, tell people about business. But I remember this day, I was three or four months out. Actually, no, I was less than that. I came in August. I got abstinent uh, August 3rd, and this was September 30th. And do not ask me how I know, knew this at the time, but I drove home from work, and this idea popped into my head, and this is the thought I had. Today is September 30th. Today is the last day that Baskin Robbins serves Maui brownie ice cream, you know, because they have seasonal ice cream. And I knew I was in trouble. And um, and I had a Baskin Robbins two blocks from my house. And um, so, you know, I wanted to view the car there. But I, I, I went home, and at that time, my food plan was very no flour, no white sugar, three meals a day, measured meals a day, and it was very strict. 
we had actually had food plans in LA at that time, and I was on something called Gray Sheets, which is very measured food. So I went home, and my sponsor's call was at 6.30 in the morning. And um, she wasn't home from work, and I started making phone calls. I took up that meeting list, and I started making phone calls from both intergroups, and I got bullshit. I got don't eat no matter what. I got, um, you know, well, you really shouldn't do that. I got a lot of stuff. And then I got the angel of the universe. I called this woman, and she said, okay. She goes, I'll make a deal with you. I have some academia nets in my cabinet that have been calling my name all day. Um, you'll abstain from the ice cream, have an abstinent dinner, I'll throw those macadamia nuts down the garbage disposal and we'll call it a day. And that just touched my heart. Somebody was willing to give up food for me. Just touched my heart. And like that, I no longer needed ice cream. Like that, I no longer needed ice cream. And it was an amazing thing. Tuesday, I had a performance. I'm, um, I don't know what you call me. A fl- I'm a stand-up comic. And I had a performance on Tuesday. Um, not stand-up I have I work with this improv group as well. We had a performance, and I was worried about a sketch I was doing, which I had not rehearsed. You know, improv is one thing, but doing something that's already written, I should have rehearsed with my partner. And he was kind of, he was young and kind of flaky, and a lot of stand-up comics are, actually. And um, I drove home from work early because I just wanted to relax before I went on that night. And I wanted to eat mass quantities of food. I wanted that feeling of full. I wanted it bad. And I called um, I called a friend of mine in the program, and I got her stupid answering machine, and I got her voicemail. I was message. I said, you know what? I just want to eat mass quantities of food. I'm going to commit that I'm going to, like, make my food and eat a moderate portion of it, and um, and I'll see you at the show tonight. And, um, and that wasn't enough. And I called my sponsor, and... Thankfully, she answered the phone, and I talked to her about what was going on, and um, I made the same commitment to her, and I did indeed cook, which is unusual for me, and um, and I did indeed cook and ate a moderate amount of food and went on with the rest of my day. I think telephone calls are really, really important, really important, and um, as today as they were. And there have been many times when I've been out in social situations that I make a phone call in a restaurant, whatever, and I, you know, I just put a bathroom stall and do it. Do what I did whatever it took. I, I sometimes wish I had the willingness I had 20 years ago. Today, I had it on Tuesday, but some days I don't have it. And um, that would that my program is definitely stronger when the more action I'm willing to take. Meetings. Wow. You know, I heard a lot of stuff when I was a newcomer about meetings. 30 meetings in 30 days. You know, I didn't really want to live with you people. Um, but actually, I did that. I did that, I did that for a month, short two meetings. And it gave me an induction into Overeaters Anonymous that I don't think I would have if I had not gone to that many meetings. And the other thing that I was told, and I don't hear this in meetings a lot anymore, I was told to go to AA meetings. I was told it was the same addiction. Go learn about it from the base, and I did. And it was very, very helpful to me because I really identified with that same sense of, and I had a sense of desperation, that sense of desperation over my disease, over my addiction, and it was the same as the alcohol. And since I was studying the big book, it made perfect sense to me. Um, 
I'm at my desk when I go to two or three meetings a week. Sometimes my schedule doesn't accommodate that. Um, there was a time after my son died when I didn't go to a meeting for almost a year. Almost a year. I was in too much pain. And uh, it was me and God. We had our meetings all by ourselves. It was difficult. Um, but I will say the more meetings I can get to, and certainly the more meetings you, you can get to, that that would be uh, helpful to your program. Okay, we talked about meetings, telephone, writing. Oh, my gosh. You know, what's funny about writing is that, that um, for me, besides writing the 10 steps and, um, and the four steps, um, no, I'm not going to say besides. Let's talk about that first because that's really integral. Really integral to like, okay, so here I am 22 years ago. I am a victim of life. And um, everything, everything um, in the world is uh, to hurt me. And um, the writing of that fourth step and the writing of those ten steps, when I can fill in that column that's my part, that's when I have freedom. Because I can't do anything about somebody else. I can't make my mother be nicer to me. I can't make my sister stop calling me bitch. I can't do anything about who someone else is. The only person that I can do anything about, the only person in this seat is me. So I'm very much a big book writer from like column one, who are you resentful at? Column two, what happened? Next column, what is the effect? Next column, my part. And I get no freedom from anything in that situation until I can find my part in that situation. That goes for both the fourth step and the tenth step. So writing has been really important to me. And I'm going to tell you, it took me almost two years to write my first four steps. I kept starting and stopping. People would have me over to, have me over to their house, let me use their guest room, and I would sit there and stare at that fourth column because I couldn't get it. Because I couldn't get that I had a part. How did I have a part and that person acting like an asshole? How did I have that part? Well, here's my part. Oh, I took that and I flossed myself with it for the next 20 years. Duh. Do you know what I mean? I didn't get it until I got that fourth column. And I can't do anything about it. I can't continue with the steps until I get that fourth column, until it's complete. And um, that, to me, was one of the most liberating things that's ever happened to me, that fourth step and that writing and those ten steps that I do later. And almost, it's, it talks about in the big book, um, after you go through those, that if you find you've offended someone, you know, act quickly as you can and make amends. And that's mostly where I live today, you know. Um, something happened with a young man that I was supposed to do this skit with. He was asking um, our director a question on Sunday afternoon, and I interrupted and in, uh, interjected my opinion on how I thought this certain thing was going to go. And, uh, and it didn't occur to me until, like, the next day I'm, like, reviewing stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, Jeannie, you owe that young man an amends, and I shot him an email. You know, I really shouldn't have interfered. I'm sorry. You know, that was disrespectful. Um, and, um, and so that's what I do today with that still. Okay, telephone writing. I talk about that literature. I talked about, um, I'm still, I guess because of the time I came in, I'm still very entrenched in the AA big book. 
And um, actually, I spoke to someone yesterday and they asked me to leave the step, uh, leave the step meeting in our inner group um, in a couple weeks. And I asked them what book they were using and they said the AA 12 and 12. And I said, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Because that's where, you know, that's where my head is, mostly because I was such an addict, a food addict, and that's funny that really um, I identify with, with those stories and the text of the big book, and I identify more with the 12 and 12, the A 12 and 12, than I do the OA 12 and 12. And that's just my personal opinion. A lot of people in programs get a lot out of the OA 12 and 12. It, I'm just not one of those people. Um, so please pick it up and um, and read it read it, um, because a lot of people do get, um, I recently got a new AA, last year I got a new AA big book, I'm going to tell you why, these, you know, they have them in large print now, letters are this big, I need to open up the book and read, <laughs> I don't have to use that torn up book anymore, it's 20 years old, that has the little, little letters that I can't read without glasses, so I thought that was hilarious, and there's so many things in that big book, in the text and in the stories that I identify with, that I identify with. Um, I'm going to tell you two things about the big book that I identify with. One of them is that I did grow up in a family where there were a lot of angry people. My parents were alcoholics, and we were all compulsive overeaters of children, and it was just one big uh, angry fast. And um, it talks about in the big book, actually in Freedom for Bondage, it talks about if you're having a resentment against someone um, that you pray for them for what you want for two weeks. My family was not so damn easy. Um, I had a sister that we were just hateful of each other, and I prayed for her on and off for seven years. And every time I would meditate, do my 11-step and meditate, I would find this, like, empty chamber of my heart where she, she needed to reside, and she wasn't there. And I was still angry at her. And so I prayed that prayer for her. And it talks about praying for the people that you're resentful at for what things you want, you know, that they should have the nice home you want, and the best car, and the job they want, and all the money they want, and the love they want, and everything. And I did this on and off for seven years for her. And... Um, I used to take my family, I don't like to shop really, um, for Christmas and stuff, so I used to take my family like a, on events, and one year I took them up to a cabin in the snow, and this particular year I took them to Disneyland, so there's like 30 of us going to Disneyland, and my mother, God bless her heart, decided she was going to make lunch, and so I'm in the back of this car with my sister, and we're having our lunch, and she's bemoaning the fact that, you know, her boyfriend had just left, and I, th I thought it was a jerk. And uh, her boyfriend had just left, and that it was kind of, like, difficult, and they'd been together a long time. And these are the words that came out of my mouth. You are so beautiful. You are so smart. You have a good job and a nice home. You are going to find, because he, he really was, he was an obsessive gambler, you're going to find someone who is worthy of you. And I, my first thought after that was, who the hell said that? Where the hell did that come from? And that came from a place in my heart that had changed. Directly from work, I was directed to do in the big book. Um, changed my life. And today, she's a friend. I mean, she actually calls me. She writes me guests. She smiles at me at family parties. And um, today, when she rolls my eyes, because I was the weird kid growing up, 
because, you know, I'm dramatic and I'm funny and I used to do all this stuff. I was a weird kid. And um, today when I do something weird and she rolls her eyes, I don't think my sister hates me. I think my sister's different. We're not alike. She's very conservative about her behavior in public. I'm not. Um, and, uh, and that's just it. And I don't think she hates me. And I don't think she thinks I'm a bad person. I think she's different. And that's a whole different mindset from when I came out. And that's directly out of the big book. Freedom from bondage. Um, anonymity. This is a big deal to me. I was always um, a private person growing up, mostly because of the way I was brought up. And there were a lot of gossipers in my family. My nana, she used to, she used to question us and stuff about what was happening with the, the step family and cheese man, all this stuff, and I would thought, like say nothing. So this is a really important to me thing to me in this program. But if I say to my sponsor, or if I call you up and I'm sharing something on a gut level that you're not going to talk about it at a meeting, you're not going to share it from the podium, you're not going to get off the phone and go call your sponsor or another friend and say, this is what Jeannie said, yada, da, da, da. That having been said, I've had my anonymity broken in the program. And here's how I dealt with it. I had a broken just just a couple of a year and a half ago. There's somebody in the program I love very much. And I made that phone call. And I said, I, you know, I hear something, you said something meaning about me. I don't really appreciate that. And as much as I love you, I need to tell you, that upset me. That very much upset me. And we got to have the conversation. I don't get to leave these rooms. I don't get to break my accidents. I don't get to rag on somebody because, you know, they went and, like, gossiped about me. And that really wasn't her intention because we did talk and that wasn't her intention to gossip. Um, I tried it 20 years ago. That might have set me out the door, but not today. Not today. All right. We have a lovely Tara. Give me five minutes. I think I think I talked about every, and I want to talk about the tools because I think, like I said, there there's things, action things that you can do before you can even like maybe get that fourth step. Okay, Tana, you mean I talked about that? Talked about the font script, talked about meaning, cell phone writing literature, and service. Oh my gosh, five minutes on service. Oh God, I love service. I love, thank you, thank you so much for asking me to share today, Tara. Um, I recently gone through this little blood of life being of service. Um, <laughs> in our intergroup, they needed an editor for the, the newsletter, and I, and I volunteered to do that. And then I volunteered for another intergroup to do some, uh, some uh, nonprofit work for them. And um, this is what my sponsor says, I'm so proud of you. And I go, okay, thanks. Um, and she is proud of me, but I do service because it keeps me coming back. There are things that have changed over the last 20 years that, that have made it, I think, a little bit more difficult to, to, be, to be here and to be a newcomer. For instance, we used to have two hours meetings. That was two hours I was guaranteed I wasn't going to eat. You know, that was really helpful for me because I couldn't stop eating. Um, and uh, so I, I, and I've just about done everything in service. I've sweeps the floor. I've made coffee, done literature, meetings, I've done secretary, I've been chair of an intergroup, I've done editors of, of two intergroups, 
newsletters. And it's that thing that keeps, it's like a little spider web that keeps me connected. Because just having done, the, being the editor of the, the, the newsletter, just this is new, it's like a month old, I'm doing this very imperfectly, which is okay by me right now, because I'm learning, um, is that I got a call from someone about a correction that needs to be made. I need to call someone about some printing that needs to be done on Monday, because I don't think enough got printed. There's not nothing, there's nothing in our newsstands, and they're not getting asked meetings. And um, it keeps me connected to people in the program. And one of the, the big things that I think I've learned in 22 years in the program, that it's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. Whether you're in this room or checking out my groceries or the guy at the dry cleaner, it's about you. It's about being the best human being I can, can be in humanity. It's about you. And I have a huge ego, so that keeps me humble. I've used ego. I've been called on it a couple of times this last month. Um, and certainly what I did Sunday, you know, in rehearsal was an ego thing, and I had to apologize for that. Um, so the more I can keep my focus on showing and being a service at my job, in my inner group, with my people I sponsor, with the, my sponsor, the, the, the easier it's going to be for me to abstain. And that's, that's bottom line, all I'm here for. I need to abstain to the best of my ability on any, any given day. And it's been like 20, over 22 years. I haven't had it done in over 22 years. I haven't eaten mass quantities. And that's a miracle. It really is a miracle in my life. And um, here's the last thing. I really, this is really, I have these little things that bug me. Thank you for letting me share. No. It's my responsibility to share my experience, strength, and hope. Really, it is. How are going to people going to get it if I don't? How are people going to get it if you don't? You know, so I'm going to say thank you for being such an attentive audience. I really appreciate it. And we have some questions in the ask us, I guess. Thank you. And um, I didn't print out very many, but if you're a newcomer, um, I have the tools of recovery. I have a couple copies, actually, and you're welcome to take them. They're downloaded off of World Service website, and I'll just leave them here. Okay, do we have questions? Yes? No? No? Yes? Yeah. the one at the bottom. Jeannie, what is your greatest joy today? There's, um, there are promises in the big book. As much as, the mis as much as I came into this program as a miserable, angry, crying, upset victim of the world, I am totally the opposite of that. The fact that, I am, that the promises have come true in my life, and truly have come true, I don't fake it every day. Um, that I'm happy, joyous, and free, that... that that my relationship with a God of my understanding and with you wonderful people have facilitated a life where I get to walk around no matter what happens. Because this isn't like the weather, like I lived before, that if you said something bad to me, you know, I was suicidal. This is not what this is. That if you say something bad to me today or something bad happens, I deal with it. You know, that I've truly, I can say today and for about... Oh, this is so sad if you're a newcomer because it's taken me such a long time. 
<laughs> for about four years, I am happy, joyous, and free in my being, in my soul, every single moment of my life today. And that's my greatest joy. Just wait, Pollyanna. Okay. How did you figure out a food plan? Okay, so here's the deal. When I was new, I was given a food plan. My sponsor said that she would, my first sponsor said she would not sponsor me unless I was on this food plan called Gray Sheet. And um, <coughs> so I went to, from eating sugar and flour and mass quantities of food to eating three meals a day, measured quantities, like six ounces of protein, two cups of salad. We used to like, I used to, we used to like pack salad into a measuring cup. Um, make sure you have two cups. Of course, when it springs forth, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, a way more. And um, I think where there were, was there fruit? No, there wasn't even fruit on that food plan. Three to be on day, nothing in between. It was a, it was a gift. It doesn't seem like a, it didn't seem like a gift when I was doing it, but it was a gift because it really weaned me off the sugar, weaned me off the refined stuff. And although I eat that stuff today, that's what I needed at the time. I needed something measurable. I needed a fast weight loss, and I lost a lot of weight that first year. I needed a measurable weight loss, and I needed that stuff out of my system. For in the long term, that does not work for me. Um, <clears throat> and 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 so I talked to my sponsor. I tried other things. I added. I did whatever I needed to do. Um, and it's really important, I think, to work with with the sponsor on a food plan. Having said that, don't let anyone give you a food plan. Really. You know, I needed it 22 years ago because I I was very black and white. But I will say. And today, my food plan, you know, I, I'm a diabetic, and I have to eat a certain way, and that, that's from a doctor. It's from a professional. So if you have any medical stuff, we suggest you seek out a professional, doctor, nutritionist, da, da, da. Where do you find the tools? Got a copy for you right here. You can download them off the Internet. There are people selling literature out here. I think it's, ah, wow, 75, 95 cents for a tools pamphlet. If you take one of these or get one of those, keep it in your purse. Really, if you fail an urge to eat, do one of these things. And that's how I started. I just did one of these things. One day at a time for 22 years. Okay. How did you begin to look? Well, my first sponsor found me. My second sponsor, and I've had good luck and bad luck with sponsors, so don't get, like, um, dejected about it. Um, if, if you ask someone to be your sponsor and three days into you go, hell no, just call up and say, you know what, I think I'm going to move on. And I know that sounds scary when you're new, and I know that isn't the easiest thing to do, but it's just a few simple words. Take a deep breath and do it. Take a deep breath and do it. Um, they say it means to look for somebody who has what you want. Now, I got in trouble with this one. I'm going to tell you. I found this sponsor at one point in time. I did. She looked like, she looked like, well, she, she was a gold weight. She worked out all the time. Her food was kind of screwy, but I didn't really care about that. Um, and I won't say too much about that because I know the people in the room that know her. Um, but she was thin, and she was Hispanic, which I'm half Hispanic, and she looked like some cha-cha babe. I mean, her hair was always clothed, and it was red, and she was just like always made, you know, look at me, you know. Um, I like being clothed, and um, 
I wouldn't have my hair done today just for you guys. I wouldn't have a styled and blow dry just for you guys because I need to look good. Not like the person I walked in here as. Um, and um, and she was soft spoken, and there was nothing really softer than the edges about me. But what I when I think when people say look for someone who has what you want. I don't think they were talking about these superficial things. <laughs> and it got me in trouble. Um, and she eventually actually broke my heart. Um, and I really won't go into those specifics. But um, And then I was without a sponsor for a long time. I was without a sponsor for like nine years. So I got this last sponsor. She broke my heart. Um, I like to say I won't get into the specifics. But when things start to go awry, I should have made that phone call. Hello, this is Jeannie. Really not working out. I'm going to move on. If you have trouble thinking you need to say that, write it down. Practice it. Practice it in front of the mirror. Anyway, I think that's all the questions. Thank you so much. Time to close the workshop. We're going to have a moment of meditation. And then Sumi's going to lead us in the prayer of her choice. Although in the freedom format that they gave me, it says that this meeting is being taped, yeah. and I didn't think it was. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I've never heard you. I've never heard you share. Never heard you leave. And it was very specific. I was trying to gear it towards the children. You've never heard my story. No, I never have. For, you know, and how long was I giving going to meetings? Forever. Forever. I know. Yeah, I've never heard. You're really good. Very oh, good. Cindy's heard my story. You're really good. Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. Freaking Mary Ann Feeney, it had sparkle things that fell on the floor. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I like put all the things so carefully. Yeah, I know. And then when you're vacuuming and hating the first really sweet thing, honey. Well, I do. Marathon. Oh, I certainly do. 
Did you um, for time. Oh. for dinner tonight here? I don't think there's dinner tonight I here. It's Saturday night. Oh, okay. No, I did not. Okay. Either. 